Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 162nd film. It's the 2019 American coming-of-age drama, Beats. It's directed by Chris Robinson. It stars Anthony Anderson, Khalil Everidge. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with MJ this time. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm making reference to our failed <laughs> attempts at trying to get this one done um, with power and internet outages um, during the day that we've been trying to do this. So it's good to have you. We got well. We got lucky with a little pop-up window that we can record now. But yeah, it's been severe thunderstorms in Melbourne overnight this morning, and it's caused a bit of carnage. So, but you know what? With lockdown over, we can we can do this in person again soon. We've done about a hundred episodes, <laughs> not in person, but we can go back to what we did in the old days. Uh, I've actually been thinking about this. I might I won't talk about it on air, and uh, might save it as a surprise for our listeners. But I have a good idea about how we could do our first um, together show. I'm fascinated. God, Good. consider me tickled fascinated. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about beats. So we start our show with the fast flicks where we cover it off quickly in a little short, succinct sort of uh, overall picture of the film. So what have you got for us? I've got a disgraced hip hop manager accidentally discovers a talented teenage music producer who suffers from crippling anxiety and a fear of leaving the house. Excellent. Uh, I think, yeah, this one's about these two people. So I've said the same sort of thing. We've got a young music prodigy and an ex-music manager needing to overcome deficiencies to move forward in their lives. Mm, I like it. You know, this is the first time, Jesse, that I watched the movie and I went, I popped on Letterboxd to say, yep, I've watched it. And then I realized that there was a movie with the same name made in the same year. And I was like, oh, crap, did I just watch the wrong movie? <laughs> and then I had to do a bit of a look and realise that, no, no, the other one wasn't a Netflix original. So I got really and worried there. I did change uh, my introduction from our outro from last episode where I said this, it's a, an American coming-of-age story because uh, it's uh, the other one's uh, very British, I think, from what I can see. So uh, we'll tag this as an American film so people don't get confused. <laughs> uh, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, well, it, I, it got me worried. I'm like, oh, my God, what have I just done? <laughs> <laughs> What um what apart from that, what other things can you tell us or fill us in about about this film coming together? Not much, to be honest. It's um not a very exciting story that I've found. Hopefully, you might have found some more. But uh, Netflix looks like they were on board from the start, so they decided that they wanted to make this movie. Um, and all I've really got for you is that in June 2018, that was when it was first announced that Chris Robinson was going to be directing the movie from the screenplay original screenplay from Miles Orion Feldos, Feld Sotter, excuse me for that pronunciation. Um, Anthony Anderson was on board and Khalil Everidge, who was a newcomer, I don't think he had been in a feature film before this. I don't think he's, he's maybe done a little bit of TV and stuff after this, so obviously very new to the scene. Um, the film itself was going to include original music from Chicago-based artists, which is cool, um, including someone called Young Chop. And that's probably going to show my ignorance on the hip-hop music scene. I don't know who Young Chop is, but good on him. I don't for know. I don't know. It's all good. Ah, <laughs> I was expecting you to be like, you are hopeless. But okay, there you go. <laughs> um, and as I said, Netflix was on board from the beginning. Um, and then, yeah, principal photography began in June, in 2018, in Chicago. And the film was released worldwide on Netflix uh, a year later, June 19, 2019. And that's all I got for you. It's pretty much all I have as well. That it was nominated <laughs> for an award, an award at the Detroit Film Critics Society Awards for 
um, breakthrough performance for Paul Walter Hauser um, for a couple of um, roles that year. Uh, what else? A couple of translations for you in Hungarian. Yeah. It's called paces. <laughs> and in yeah. Russian, it's called rhythms. So pace, rhythm, beat, all music words, I guess, that maybe yep. mean the same yep. thing when we put them together. Tagline. Did you see the tagline? No, I didn't. Good. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't mind this one, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. The tagline for this one is rise above the noise. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Sort of, sort of has a, a good little um, connotation to the story. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad. What about the consensus for this one? You, you, can you fill us in on what critics and audiences are saying? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say it was somewhat positive. I don't think it was a terrible result. Not a huge amount of eyeballs on it. It's probably the only concern for Netflix, but it's probably not one of those films that they really smashed home from with a marketing strategy. I hadn't heard of it. So uh, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, just under 5,000 ratings for that. Uh, three out of five on Letterboxd, just under 3,000 ratings. So as I said, on the lower scale of the amount of ratings, but um, yeah, anything above a three out of five is uh, is a pretty good, pretty good start. Yeah. And the same on Rotten Tomatoes with the amount of, of people getting on there. Not a lot. Uh, it does sit on fresh at 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's on nine, only on nine reviews, though, from critics. Mm. The audience had it a lot lower, down to 58% on a bit over 100, yeah. but that sits a bit more closely to IMDb and Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's probably consensus across the board that it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are your early thoughts for this? I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think I realized how much I liked Anthony Anderson until he sort of popped up and I was like, I really like Anthony Anderson. It's probably not something that I think about. Um, Maybe I will going forward. I I like him obviously from his sort of scary movie and transformer days. And I think, I guess he just brought this sense of comfort with him in in this leading role of this film. Um, But then I just got into the story and got into the world. And I I really enjoyed the friendship between August and Romello. Um, they're both on this separate path of redemption and they're both helping each other get there. Whether, whether August actually knows he's helping Romello or whether Romello knows that August is actually helping him, he is helping him. Um, I, I think the movie kind of lost its way a little bit in the final act, but maybe that's kind of my own expectations that led me astray a little bit. But I, I really like this movie. Good, yeah, I, I did too. I thought it was, um, you know, it's one of those obvious overcoming the odds sort of stories, but it was done in an engaging way that, some really good performances like you mentioned um anthony anderson was pretty good in this and the script worked pretty nicely as well so um not many complaints for me from this either. great um, yeah well let's talk about some characters who are you going to go yeah. with to start off with i, I want to go with Romello. i think the more and more i think about it the more and more it really is his story um and yeah obviously i mentioned that i, I like anthony anderson i liked his job in this i think there was something lacking for me with Romello, either that I was just expecting too much from him in his arc or, or whether there was something that was actually missing. Um, but either way, you've got this guy who's who's down and out. He's kind of lucky not to be in the gutter of life. He's got this tiny support system that basically exists from his his wife who he separated with, but clearly still on pretty good terms with. We learned very early on that he's made some bad choices in the past. He was a successful hip-hop manager. He basically destroyed his career and his reputation due to, let's just say, bad money management. Um, but the Romello that we see on screen, and this is where I'm interested to talk to you about, it, he's not a bad guy, and he, he's not a bad guy at all from what we, what we can see. And there's, a, there's a level of selfishness to him. 
on the surface, it looks like he makes some really selfish decisions, but I, I, I kind of argue that there's no malicious intent in them. He, he's kind of doing them for his own gain, yes, but also to benefit others. I, I'm kind of, I'm not buying that he was exploiting August entirely. I do believe that he wanted to create a better life for Vanessa, and he was also being true to himself in the knowledge that his his career was what made him tick, so that's why he wanted to keep pursuing it. So whilst he was opportunistic in his selfishness, he was still fighting for that desire to live his own dream. Um, and that outlook of Romello being a selfish man, you know, that the story is about him learning the consequences of his actions. And basically he just leaves a burning mess behind him wherever he works. Uh, sorry, wherever he walks. I, I think there's an element of his character. It's not a defining part, but this selfishness is just a part of his character. And I think the Romello that we see on screen, and, and through the majority of the story is an example of how hard it is for a black man to actually make it in this world and how hard it is for a man to bury his demons and recover from this damaged reputation because every little slip up that he had came with a consequence that I felt was much bigger than it should have been. And he has all these hurdles against him that wouldn't have been there for a white man, let's say. But he never actually loses his bundle in all this. He never actually loses his focus. And I was still a little bit unsatisfied with where he ends up, whether I truly believe that he's learning his lessons of selfishness. Um, but I do think that it's probably to do with the fact that he's, he's hardship weary. Like he knows that the journey ahead is going to be full of just as many hurdles. He's just got to keep his head up and keep plowing through. So I'm sorry, I've got a lot of thoughts on, on this character. It's, it's very hard to follow up uh, because you've covered so much. And I think you've done a, a really good job of, of talking it through and I, I think that the thing that I, I probably focus on that too like is that that not necessarily selfish but self-centered um and it's sort of almost hidden like like you mentioned and it's, you know I don't think we ever get the opinion as the audience that he doesn't mean well for the people that he's doing but that motivation for him is more um you know it's almost like a shade of looking out for others rather than um He's just doing it for himself because he, he, like you've said, I don't think he's a horrible person. So I think some of the the actions that we do see, there is some care and thought for others. And it's like, well, I'm getting a bit out of this as well. So it sort of works. And I, I think it was done pretty nicely. Like that, you know, they, they showed that he's a good maneuverer. And in particular, when he goes to the house, to August's house, and he sort of sees the photo of his dad as a soldier and mm. sort of just plays along with the story. So sometimes he gets himself into trouble through, this maneuvering more than him um, being vindictive or, or making these choices because that's what I want. He sort of um, gets himself lost in it and then just continues down that path. And um, I think that, you know, it's nice to see that, that it wasn't necessarily a full circle turnaround, but it, and spoiler, so we haven't done a spoiler alert. Oh, goodness. So I'm just going to say, um, probably going to spoil it quite a bit here in this bit, but it, I think it was nicely done in that at the end, we sort of see, August, and I know we haven't spoken about August yet, but it's nice to see August mm. sort of getting to where he needs to be and Romello sort of being where he needs to be, but not being in a successful point of view yet because he has lost his wife and they didn't redeem that that relationship. So I think I think it was all done really nicely. Um, and, I, mm. and I agree with everything that you said as well. So I, I hope I've added a little bit without being too repetitive. Yeah, no, I think so. And look, I'm going to, I'll probably talk to some things in the scenes a little bit that, that kind of, it just bothered me a little bit the way that they went into it with the character. So I, I think it's probably going to be easier to chat through there, but let's, let's talk about August because he's obviously the other, the other main man in this, in this movie. And 
I mean, he, he is a guy who, who suffers from severe anxiety and, and panic attacks off the back of, you know, some pretty grisly PTSD. It's, it's, it's a well-justified response. Um, something that's definitely hindered by his overprotective mother who doesn't really want him to leave the house. Like this is, this is the situation this guy's in and you get it right. You totally understand it. And I think him finding his own muse is his key uh, to unlock the door to get back out. And August initially finds that muse in music and, and in producing, and he, he extends it further um, when it comes to Naya and he's sort of discovering his feelings and, and trying to really make sense of how he feels for Naya. And both of those parts of his life are really nurtured and groomed by his friendship with Romello. It all kind of comes together. And I think the key to remember here is that he's, he's just a kid and the adults who are present in his life influence him so much. And for the most part, that's his mum, which is why Romello's presence is such a stark change for August. You know, there's some teething problems with him trying to break free from all this anxiety and you know, there's a lot of pain for him to work through, but you get the feeling that without that guidance, that August probably wouldn't have been able to break through his his borderline agoraphobia. He wouldn't be at school at the end. It's it's not so much about the success he has as a as a music producer. It's more about him re-entering life. Yep. Uh, yeah. Really well put. And <laughs> I feel like these characters, it's really hard to to break away because obviously I think we're feeling the, the same sort of way. And I think I'll just add in the. I, and as you mentioned, the anxiety and the, the panic attacks, so I think that they were just so believable in, in the way that they were done that you did have this feeling about him just being this kid that, that's dealing with the trauma of, of seeing his sister uh, murdered. And I think I, I enjoyed his character through that um, inspiration that she almost gave him or the, or the guidance mm. in his music and, and connecting that with his new you know, associate or new girlfriend or partner, whatever they, yeah, um, whatever yeah. they, they call it each other. And, and just that idea of slowing down, you know, um, letting yourself breathe through that beat. And Romello does that, that same sort of communication with him too. So it was just nice to see he's got a good support network that are all telling him the same message. Um, yeah. A support network that he didn't really know he had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any other people you want to talk about? Yeah, I think I think we need to talk about Mrs. Munro or August's mum. She's, in, as I said, an overly protective parent who who probably isn't doing enough to assist her son with his condition. But that maternal protective instinct is it's in this absolute overdrive, um, considering everything that she's been through with her husband and then her daughter, and then obviously the way her son's you know handling that situation. It's noble in a way, and I don't think the film is ever trying to really severely criticize her for being an overly protective parent. It's me as an audience member with my brain screaming, screaming out saying, Hey, this is wrong. This is not what he needs. Um, because, because of the circumstances you totally understand, which is why this whole thing works. Um, and I, I think even having that conversation that she has with Romello in the final act and opening up their family bubble helped her to try and heal as well. Cause she's, got to go through her own healing process whilst trying to be a mother whilst trying to be a provider and in that healing you know she can start to see that her son needed something to change as well and it was it's just baby steps for her and um again they just captured that so well because there wasn't one moment where you think i mean you think it because you know it but the, the film doesn't want you to necessarily think she's doing the wrong thing as a mother even though there's better things to do but you get it <laughs> yeah i i really i i appreciated the way that they put her character together because it was nice to see a pretty complex mother-like character that 
was obviously dealing with her own trauma of of losing a husband and a, a daughter, like you've mentioned. But you know, the, her her way of dealing with it by trying to bring August closer to her was creating further isolation and further trauma for August. So it's like mm-hmm. this vicious cycle, and, and I think it was done really well, um, as well as everything that you've said as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Any other characters? Yeah, I think I, I really want to talk about Terence. I didn't realize that Paul Walter Hauser was nominated for awards, and I love that because, I mean, what like what a slime ball, and it was played perfectly, like perfectly. I feel like this was a real dude. I'm like, I know that guy. He's he's a slime ball. Um, in a sense, I mean, he's kind of what's wrong with society. In a sense, he's he's this white version of what Romello could have been. That selfishness, that spitefulness. Every decision that he makes is basically selfish. He doesn't want anything to do with Romello until Romello can bring something to the table for him. And then he screws him over at the first chance he gets. And it's that same behavior that basically caused Romello's life to crumble. So what's the difference with Terence is that he's white. And, and those hurdles that Romello has to jump through every single time aren't there. They're not there for Terence. And, and when he screws up, the consequences aren't the same. And I think that's done really, really well. Yeah, I, I think the casting for this was perfect. And I think that um, it's a really good reflection on, and obviously neither of us have worked in the music industry, but that outsider's uh, look or, or point of view of, you know, those media moguls or, or music record label owners who sit at the top of that perch that are happy to use and abuse people to get what they want, no matter what the consequences or what the circumstances are. And and like you mentioned, it, it's just a, a nice parallel between uh, Romello and and his journey and and obviously I mean from memory not too many other white characters in this film um, either so Mm -hmm. it it sort of stands out as that stark contrast as to this is what can happen in the industry and this is what can happen in the industry without blatantly saying we're talking about race here yeah and can I just I like the first movie I ever saw Paul Walter Hauser in was Richard Jewell and I loved him and I thought he was so good and he was so lovable and he was so sweet for him to just be able to switch and play this guy like Terrence it's that versatility is is really is really impressive good uh any other characters sorry I feel I don't think there's anyone else that I had enough to talk through director Chris Robinson anything you can fill us in on him because I, I was interested in some stuff here yeah, like a lot of obviously he's very big in the uh, the music and the black culture scene in general. Um, I also think he played college football. I think I was reading at some point as well. So uh, a lot of music videos, a lot of links with a lot of music artists, and and that's that's probably the main thing that you take out of him so far. Yeah, Usher, Prince, Jennifer Hudson, ASAP Rocky, Lil Wayne, Eminem. He's done a bit of uh, comedy directing as well. Dave Chappelle, Tiffany Haddish. Um, directed some real Husbands of Hollywood episodes. Like he's, he's got a bit of a mixed bag, 166 directing credits altogether. It's a, a nice little resume of someone I've never heard of before. Um, but this is almost like a culmination mm. of his career in one, you know, fictional film. Exactly. All right. Well, what are some scenes that you did enjoy in this one? Yeah, I really liked at the start when, I mean, liked is probably a weird way to put it, but a really powerful scene when when Kari got shot right at the very start. I think they'd done such a good job to create this really nice sibling respect and connection very, very quickly. And from my perspective, I was expecting the story to be about Kari. I didn't know anything about the film. I was like, okay, here's our lead. I, you know, I already like her. This is good. I'm in, I'm in with this. And then they killed her and it was, um, it was really powerful. I think it was really, really well done. Um, 
and obviously you've got the sort of the the, the buddy in a sense is a buddy a buddy film and and i love the the scene with uh with naya at the window and when romello sort of yells out hey naya there was just this good light bonding session between both our lead characters that we hadn't really seen. It'd been really all business to this point. They hadn't connected uh, in anything more than just music. And I like to see that it was a real, real nice, nice moment and real good just development for them both. Adding into that, uh, that window scenario. I, I liked him using that voice decoder too, through in those window situations <laughs> to sort of get, get uh, that Lazarus or Laz dude away from Maya as well. I, just, I thought that was, there were some nice scenes in that window, but it was a little bit rear windowy, creepy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's his life, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's how he connects with people. <laughs> and the only other scene I did want to mention, which I touched on in characters when, and it's not a big one, but when Romello came over near the end to speak, to Mrs. Munro specifically. And I think they were both taking this really big step and the scene itself wasn't that exciting and not that memorable, but I liked the fact that he was there for her. She was there to listen to him. I think it's almost bigger on her behalf to, okay, I'm going to come downstairs and I'm actually going to listen to what you have to say because she was starting to think differently about her son through everything as well. So uh, that were the main scenes for me. Good. Yeah. I've got a couple of other ones. I, um, just some personal relatable things. I think there's the scene at the start where um, Romello's, partner of the principal she's pulling that speech on attendance and the importance <laughs> of of it for running a school it just brings home so true and just so relatable especially like you know these home visits and Romello's like you know you can win a Macca's gift card it's like that bribery still you know happens <laughs> all around the world to try and get kids to come to school um, the, you know, I thought I, I really enjoyed that um that first meeting between August and Romero that you were talking talking about as well just a little bit of humor um, where he talks about you know I've never met a deaf producer or whatever it was it just set it off nicely that that sort of little connection um the the, the attacks and I'm not like the attacks that August had were so believable like I mm. I literally was like this is almost too too real and I had to bring myself in at times and be like this is a movie and, the, and I just added so much to this film in having and uh, there's a lot of camera work that, that enabled this to happen, but uh, just, you know, especially the one with him sitting in the kitchen, having a chat mm. with his sister and, and the kitchen on fire. It was just, I don't know. I, that was so well done. So well done. Mm. Um, last little bit for me, <laughs> the first step for August going outside with the hoodies on and the, the sunnies. And again, this is that, that whole idea with the, the trippy angles and everything going fast and the sound dropping. It, it was just like, you felt like you're in his shoes taking those first steps after that buildup we'd had of, of him being stuck in that home for so long. So mm. I think that was, a, that was really nice done nicely done as well as that, that follow-up when he's out and about and he gets up on stage at that, that gig mm. or that concert and he's got this whole crowd looking at him and he's able to stand there and do that. Um, that was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. And you're right, they were very well shot, those scenes. Yeah. All right. Is there anything that you didn't like? Well, it's on on the panic attacks and stuff, it kind of actually bothered me how no one seemed properly recognised his social anxiety or, or, or at least mention it or talk to it. Like, obviously, very early on, Romello was always kind of like, hey, hey, it's all right, man. Just, like, calm down. Hey, calm down. And, like, and I was like, you know what's going on here. There's, there's better ways to handle this. And similarly, when he was trying to sort of shop around his music, he's like, oh, when can I meet your producer? The idea of saying, oh, he's got really bad social anxiety. That's why he does it all from his room. Big deal. I mean, the, the, the music is great. That's what you're after. Like, it just wasn't mentioned. I just found that a little bit strange. And I have to assume it was a deliberate choice, but uh, maybe there's a stigma attached to it that no one wanted to talk about. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it, can, it, it might like be a barrier. Might be yeah, talking or, or trying to say 
there are lots of times in real life where people are like, you know, just don't stop, you know, stop being stupid, just calm down. Whereas that, you know, that's not the, that's not nah. the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I touched on this earlier about the final act. And I think it all kind of started for me when Romello was drunk at his wife's house. That scene to me came out of the blue. It, it felt like we'd been hiding this side of Romello that we hadn't seen until right then and there. And, you know, his, him talking about how he wants to sort of, he's happy to screw over um, August on the first signing deal and the fact that he's got all these fears and concerns. And I, I like the fact that he's a complex character and there's a lot more going on. I just feel like it was at that point where film wanted us to make sure that we knew that there were consequences to his self-centered actions. And I just had, cause I hadn't seen that in the character prior to that point. And then it, it really bothered me at the record signing when he obviously not the, not the fact that he burned it up, the fact that it got to that point for him to realize it when clearly we'd been seeing that he, he was realizing it beforehand it just didn't, it felt a bit forced. It felt like we were trying to do something with his character that we hadn't quite done. And here it is. We're going to throw it all at you at once. And I, I don't know. And I guess that's another reason why I felt a little bit flat at the end. I think, I think that I was searching for a greater redemption from Romello and really late in the piece, he came, he came with some of his really selfish dickhead actions that I just hadn't seen in the character. And I mean, on a surface level, you could say like, yeah, he's come a long way. He's sort of got through it, but I didn't, I didn't feel that redemption much from him, which bothered me a little bit because I liked this character. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The two parts in particular that I didn't like are the, the and I don't know whether they're going with some sort of symbolism, but it's the two scenes with the signature. So the same scene you're talking about in the house with the, the ex-partner, him signing that form about, you know, splitting their taxes or whatever it was. It, it just, I think it was divorce. <laughs> or divorce. That was, well, yeah, I don't know. They made mention of, about the paperwork with the taxes, but whatever it was. Yeah. Like, you've got that idea of the signature that when he comes into the house, that's not what he's about. He's about winning her over. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I'm happy to, to get rid of it. And then obviously that, the idea of that signature that, that in the, the record mm. label, it, it just, yeah, I agree. It didn't sit hundred percent right because, you know, there's the, I don't know, it's probably more for the movie experience or the, the, the film experience. It could have been done nicer. And, and I just didn't like the, the follow on where, it just seems so easy for Romello to go and find um, August and just have a chat and be like, oh yeah, we're all good. Let's, you know, move on sort of thing. Uh, I felt like I needed more of a um, emphasis on that breakdown in that relationship. Yeah. I was expecting big feels from that scene and it didn't really go anywhere, did it? And I was expecting, I was also expecting this big, you know, admission from Romello, something that was going to come out. And again, I didn't really feel that either. And I don't know if that's like, Hey, this is his character. This character has been through so much shit and he is just plowing through and he it's going to get hard. He's not there to be best mate because he knows that as soon as he gets close to someone, it can break again. But, and that, that's, that's why I probably tried to put so much emphasis on this character that I really liked that I couldn't quite figure out, figure out. I just, I kind of wish I felt more at the end. Yeah, I, I agree. And the only other thing I'll say, the montages throughout, they overdid him a little bit too much. There were, there were just a few too many montages throughout certain stages. Um, I just looked at my notes. I'm like, another montage, another montage. Didn't even write down <laughs> what they were about, but too many montages. <laughs> Fair enough. What are some themes or some ideas in this one? Oh, man, there is so much. There's so much in this. So let's almost just list. So we've got like the idea of this being a very much a Southside Chicago movie, like the life, the dangers, the crime, the gun violence specifically. And I guess the lack of police support or invention is, is mentioned quite a bit. Um, so it's highlighting that in a big way. 
but then it's also a film about grief and, and post-traumatic stress and how that can impact you. And then there's another element where there's a movie about agoraphobia and anxiety and panic attacks and dealing with that and trying to live a life with that. And then we move more to the Romello side of things and you've got this selfishness and the consequences of selfishness and sort of outlining the entire film is this story of redemption and the differences of fighting through adversity based on the color of your skin. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot in this. Yeah, I'm looking on. Yep, yep, yep. Same stuff like that. <laughs> the, the gun violence you mentioned, like very similar sort of uh, underneath, so underlining thing that we saw in C yesterday, not long ago. The the TVs in yeah, the background with the the police stuff, and you know, lads needing that gun for protection. And, and I really enjoy that you, you you said too that idea of Chicago almost being like a part of the film as a theme, um, which was you know done quite well um you, you felt like you were actually oh, yeah. in that city and a part of that environment and then you mentioned redemption too and, and you know it's for both of these people like august for that pain of where he feels he's left his mum out and his sister's death and romello for his career and 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 overcoming that pain and the idea of secrets and coming of age too that you know you're never too old to overcome odds and you know guys mm. do always seem to do dumb shit for women like they said um you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's a part of coming of age uh yeah Lots and and Lots all done it. fairly all done fairly well. Yeah, I agree. A lot of it's just touched on, explored, a part of a character, whatever it is. But it's still it's still given its you know due credit as it's not just glossed over. Good. Well, what did you take away from this film? I think more than anything, I appreciated the the black versus white view on on how the same issues have different consequences and hardships depending on the color of your skin and. As, as a white male, I, I think it's always something that I'm learning um, and, and maybe fail to grasp a lot. And, and I think cinema, particularly, you know, movies in the last few years are doing a really good job at showing you what it feels like from the other side um, and understanding, like, I mean, obviously racism is a horrible thing, full stop, but understanding how it's still happening and how people can be so oblivious to it. And, 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 you know, with, with film, you've got an art form that you can really paint a picture in a certain way to, to, to show this message that you're trying to, um, trying to convey. And I think I would probably recommend this movie in that sense. I think despite all these issues and themes that we've talked about, there's a, there's a nice sort of buddy redemption feel rolled into it. And that's one of the reasons why you enjoy it. A little bit of different take for me. And, you know, I think that, and it's still about that idea of relatability, I guess. And I think this film, it's been a while, but I think that in a while that I haven't noticed, like this film is relatable to not just, a, you know, a tiny demographic. You've got the young and old idea right, where you've got you know young people that may be facing tough instances on the street or not wanting to go to school, but, you know, wanting to be something, wanting to do something in their life. And then you've got that other other demographic that, you know, older people that have made mistakes in their life and, and wanting to do the right thing. You know, it's good to see a film that, covers both these these journeys or both these experiences and it, it just doesn't have to focus on one area and, and it's done well on both sides yeah that's a really good call too uh imdb did you go into imdb to look anyone up i did I, I had a good one i had a classic like you've got a familiar face i don't know who you are and i looked up and i realized what i'd known them in so vanessa who was his, his wife his wife who he separated from the principal played by and excuse this pronunciation um Mayazzi Coronelli, Mayazzi Coronelli. Apologies if that's wrong, but she was in the movie The Invitation, which is a really good th thriller movie from a few years ago that I I loved. And yeah, very familiar face, and that's how I know it. Good. Uh, 
I was almost going to drop mine in a little bit earlier because mine was um, for Paul Walter Hauser. I could like yeah. I saw him on the screen in the diner or, or the burger joint they were in at the start, and I was like, this Terrence guy. I'm like, what do I say? And obviously, um, obviously Richard Jewell is something that I reckon I should have picked up straight away. But even more recent, I've seen the the uh, live action Cruella film, the Disney Cruella film, and and he's a big part in that as well. So I should have should have picked up on it straight away. <laughs> he's doing good things there. I saw his name on the opening credits, though. It, it popped up, and uh, I was like, oh, okay. So I, I knew he was coming. <laughs> good, good. Uh, whew, I think, any questions? Well, do, do you have an ear for quality hip-hop? Because <laughs> I, I didn't know if what they were doing was good or not. I didn't hate it, didn't dislike it, but yeah, it seemed pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I really liked the... the uh, the vocals of the sister that they put over that beat uh, multiple yeah. times. I thought that was cool. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge, um, I, I bought, um, I did, I did get, um, I have a guy called Baker boy, indigenous, uh, hip hop artist in Australia. And I got his latest album. So I've been playing that in the car a bit. So, uh, but yeah, I'm not a huge, huge, uh, hip hop fan. Yeah. God. Anything else? That was the only question I had for you. I, I only got one question to you. And I was, the, the title, do you think it's a good title? You know, if you know that there's another film, the same title as yours coming out in the same year, do you try and change it? Do you try and adjust it or do you just leave it? Yeah, that's yeah what good question. I, the title itself is fine. It's memorable enough. Um, once you've seen it, like you remember the name of it, it's it's nothing. It doesn't jump out at you. But I mean, how well do they know that there's another film coming out? I mean, there's thousands yeah. of films that come out every year. And like neither of them were big, big boom releases. So... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a pass for the title. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I haven't got any other suggestions, but I don't know. I just would have liked something a bit different. Um, yeah, that's fair. There's so much more to this story sometimes. that could have yeah, worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good. All right, well, we're almost ready to put this one all together and come up with a final rating uh, out of five for the film for our Flicks Forum average. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, I, I went into it with really low expectations. I kind of thought the underground music scene was going to be a key driver and it's something that doesn't really overly inspire me. But I, w- I was really quickly drawn into the story and more importantly, I was drawn into the two main characters and their journeys of redemption and what turned out to be a really unlikely friendship and I'm giving it three and a half stars. Nice, good. Yeah, well, I, I think there's some really excellent and believable performances that sort of lead this film and make it more than that sort of generic overcoming the odd story. Um, and I think even the runtime probably pushed a little bit. Like it probably didn't need to be that long, but it never felt like it overstayed its welcome. Mm, uh, no. And again, you know, with uh, some Netflix films that we've covered quite recently, it's it's really good to see underrepresented characters and stories on the screen that I feel like we've missed a lot in our first you know, hundred or so episodes. So it's, <laughs> it's nice that, you know, it gets to 2019 and, and we're hitting that mark a little bit every now and then, which is good to see. Uh, so I'm giving it a three out of five. It's a good shout. Really. That's a really good point. So it gives a 3.25, which is a, a pretty good score for, for a Flix Forum film. That where it sits, where it sits with the public as well. True. well. We're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a share question just put out there for this week for our audiences what's the best beat in a song like if you had to pick a song that's got the most memorable beat i, I just thought of that and i was like straight away the seven nation army that very recognizable but isn't that recognizable mainly to do with like sporting 
sporting events and, and sporting crowds and da, but, da, da, da. <laughs> but when I th- when I think about that song, all I think about is that video clip. That video clip was like so cool. It's like the going through the that, drum kit yeah. the over and over. Yeah. I know it's a tough question. Might need some more reflection on that one. Yeah, that is a good one. Mine would be less uh less hip hop y and more like classic rock beats and like the start of Boys Light Up by Australian Calls. You got that really distinctive. Even Billy Jean, you've got that kickoff. That's a very popular one. Yeah. Good. Well, um, good question, actually. It's a guy didn't think it was. That's a good question. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm just thinking, I'm like, there's so many songs that beat get you in. So We Will Rock You for Queen. I'll shut up. Let's let's look to next week because we will be back for another 2019 film. We're switching it up. It's an action thriller. It's called Point Blank, and it's directed by Joe Lynch, stars Frank Grillo, Anthony Mackie, Marsha Gay Harden, Tanoya Paris, Boris McGyver, and Marky Moore. Hmm. There's a few names there, a few names I recognized. So, yeah, Frank Grillo. Um, um, remember all our way back to the Wheelman. Wheelman, many, yeah, many, that's right. many, many years ago. I saw Did you say Rose, Rose McIver? Um, what did I say? Boris McGiver. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I think Rose McIver is the, the, the girl from Christmas Prince or something. That's oh. <laughs> uh, Boris McGiver or McGiver. Okay. I don't know. Okay. My I bad. Butchered a whole bunch of them. So apologies to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Grillo, Anthony Mackie. I got those two. Yes. They're the, the two big ones. So um, looking forward to that next week. Interesting. Again, I don't know anything about it. So uh, let's see how we go. Uh, this has been um, a good one because it's always nice to. Talk about a film that hadn't heard about before, not many people have seen, and we can sort of break it down and, and talk about, you know, some nice parts of it. If we weren't doing this podcast and I knew that you'd watch this film, I would have had to have talked to you about it. That's that's the feeling I had after this film. I wanted to talk about it. Talk about it, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, we've both obviously given it more than a three, so if you haven't seen it and you've listened to us, check it out. Yeah, and we've probably ruined it, but check it out anyway. <laughs> True. We'll see you next week. (laughs) See you then, mate.